I'm ready to start when you're ready to start. I hit the record button, and I'm sitting here eating waffles made by Emily. I'm sitting here with Emily. Say hi, Emily. Uh, hi. <laughs> yes, this is uh, an intro for the San Carlos Computer Club from March 22nd, 2022. This is your host, Scott Stimson. And this is Mass Mix Moss, Emily Stimson, the favorite child, maker of bracelets, breaker of heart, finisher of homework, apprentice laptop tech, keeper of fools, mythology enthusiast, shapeshifter, waffle child witch. Oh. I am now waffle child. And I'm eating waffles right now. Because Emily have, has perfected the sourdough waffles. I have not perfected it. I just, I can make it good. Mm-hmm. These are excellent. Smothered mm. with syrup and whipped cream. These are awesome waffles. You're ready to make bed and breakfast waffles. Our sourdough waffles are from Alaska. Was brought back from the bed and breakfast. Mom tells a story of the sourdough being over 100 years old. She'd gotten it from an Athabascan woman at a bed and breakfast she stayed at and South Central Alaska. She brought it back to our bed and breakfast, Walkabout Town bed and breakfast, and we have kept it going and has been part of our B&B business in Alaska for over 25 years, actually 30 years now, I think. Hmm. And we brought a sample of it to Mexico, and now Emily has learned how to cook waffles with it, just like we do at the bed and breakfast. Passed down through generations. I bet all you people out there listening are getting jealous for Emily's waffles, right? Emily! Yes? That was a great waffle. Thank you. And because I said great waffle, it's time to end this intro. For the San Carlos Computer Club from March 22nd, 2022, this is Scott Stimson, your interminable host, the guy that has put this whole thing together, sitting here talking waffles with the newly found expert. Uh, Mass Mix Moss, <laughs> Emily Stimson, the favorite child, maker of bracelets, breaker of heart, finisher of homework, apprentice, laptop tech, keeper of fools, mythology enthusiast, shape shifter, waffle child. Wit. You are a waffle. Waffle child, you need to change that to waffle expert probably in the next coming weeks. You are the waffle father and I am the waffle child. <laughs> there, I like that. Waffle, wa- waffleicious. This is Scott Stimson and Emily Stimson saying waffleish. No, what are we saying? What are we saying? <laughs> and, oh, and waffleicious. Waffleicious. And Pe- tech uh, on. on. Until next Tuesday. Bye. Which is tomorrow. Maybe it's the Apple stuff. Maybe it's not available for just anyone. I don't see that. I'm on my eye. Morning, Paul. So when you when you look at your own um, picture, mm-hmm. you touch it, and then it has a little star thing, and that's the effect. Oh, I see and that. And then when you go across, you got different ones. But I can't get rid of it. Oh, there. Now it got rid of it. Oh, Billy. Ah. Now, Bill, are you on an iDevice, or is, is that a Windows computer or a Linux computer? I'm on an iPad. Really. You're on an iPad. So do are these uh, are these iPad effects or uh, Google Meet effects? I think so. Yeah, they, when I do it on the uh, the laptop, I don't see any of this. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to sort that out in my Google Meet, but I figured that was probably the case. The one thing I can't find on the iPad is um, how to set the the layout. It seems to be missing out of the setting. How to set the layout? Yeah, it doesn't. It seems to be, isn't it? It's one of the first things in the ellipse, like, at least on the on the web client. Client client in the web client, it's the second option from the ellipsis menu. It says change layout. Not on the iPad though.
not on the iPad. So where do you find layout on the iPad? Or maybe you don't have control over it. I can't find it anywhere. Seems like the iPad oh, controls, mm -hmm. aren't they up above? Is that right? The only They're one up below. above They're down below? is the audio and the reverse camera. Mm. Hmm. And the special effects button in the middle. And my name is you. <laughs> and then there's three dots down in the middle of the screen. But it only has show captions, add others. <laughs> no layout. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Speaking of iPad, I almost got a free iPad. I had this oh, yeah. um, offer that came up. I forget whether it was, I don't think it was email. It was just, it volunteered on my phone. <clears throat> it was a beautiful presentation from T-Mobile saying that if I were to answer their questionnaire on what I thought about T-Mobile, then I would get an iPad you know, for only uh, postage and handling, which of course could be thousands of dollars. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I said, sure. And so I went through this beautiful presentation and, and said um, I could get my iPad if I paid $4.95 postage. Didn't say anything about the handling. So I said, sure. Well, that was a big mistake because then they took me to this thing that said that um, 99, 98% of the people that get this iPad also cooking. And I said, well, I don't want to be one of those 98%. So I... I looked around and I saw no place to excuse myself from that page except where it says continue. <laughs> <laughs> So that oh, was I your only continue. option was to continue. And then it said, um, yes, <laughs> or fold, play or fold. And um, I uh, then it said something about something else. And I said, no. And of course, I gave them all my credit card information. You did? Oh, no. And then I, yeah, yeah. So they said, I'm going to take away. <laughs> and his credit card. And his credit card. And so um, um, then I, I called my sister-in-law because she handles our, a lot of our finances and she can look at the credit card and see what's been charged on it. And she sent back the information that there was two charges, one for twenty eight ninety nine, and one for thirty eight ninety nine from this company. And um, so I called the card company and they said, well, you have to wait till it, you know, they're, they're uh, pending now. You have to wait till they're final and approved before you, you can do anything about it. Oh, really? And so I waited <laughs> two days and called them back and, uh, and I wanted to dispute it, and I went through the, the, the program choices until uh, I got to dispute a charge and uh, talk to a person, and they said, well, we can't do anything about it, uh, probably because you authorized it, but uh, we can't do anything about it, but I have their phone number. So, so I called the phone number of the, the company, which was not T-Mobile, and uh, I, I went uh, through the, the choices, and it said, if you want to refute this, you have to go to this place, which I chose. And um, it offered me the ability to to cancel the purchase, which I chose. And then it's, as soon as I chose cancel, it said, wouldn't you like this offer anyway if we reduced the, the price 25%? I said, no. How about 50%? I said, no. And they said, well, now you're going to lose your chance to get the iPad. So now instead of guaranteeing me the iPad, which they had in inventory for me, you know, they had two of them left. And, and now I, it was about getting a chance to win an iPad. And I said, no. And I canceled that charge. And then I canceled the other charge. And, and now I'm happy. So, so you were able to go through their system and cancel your purchase. And the way they had presented it to you, you were yeah. getting it for free, but what were you having to pay for? 
I had to pay four ninety five for postage and then handling, but it didn't ever say what the handling was. Oh, okay. And, and Paul, have you checked with your credit card company? I talked to them, and and I oh, I also that's called you, them. That's how you dispute hmm? the charges with your credit card company. No, that's who told me that I had to. Uh, they couldn't help had to me, wait till it came through. Oh, hmm. well, I think maybe you said it's a very complicated process or something like that. But you can call the company, and here's the phone number, and that's what I did. Hmm. It's not complicated to dispute a charge. Well, well good morning. Uh, give me a moment. I just want to say I pressed I... the streaming button, and we are starting the San Carlos Computer Club. I'm Scott Stimson, your terminal guest host, holding these meetings once again on Tuesdays at 10. And we've been talking about Paul's, I guess, semi-spammer or, or scammers. The uh, They, they kind of did a bait and switch with you, tried to get you to sign up for something, offering you an iPad, and you were having problems because they were, there was actually charges yeah. attached to the free iPad, supposedly free iPad. Well, I uh, think uh, the credit card company was saying that that uh, because I agreed to everything in the offer unwittingly, yes. that, that my best choice was to call the company. Anyway, it worked out fine, and I didn't have to cancel my card, although it might be a good idea anyway. Yeah, the only thing that sounds really fine about that is that you were able to legitimately stop this purchase. Everything about that sounds very predatory, though. It sounds, sounds like, oh, we'll give you this if we're allowed to sign you up for this and charge you this and it's just a very frustrating way, way to deal with the world. Hey, here comes yeah, Chester. The, Good morning, Chester. Go ahead, Paul. The, I'm sorry. Good morning. And the process of of canceling involved a stepwise choice making of uh, uh, you know re- reduction in price and stuff like that. So it was it was pretty aggressive marketing, but it was not uh, impossible to get out of it. That was that's the uh, timeshare. When you go to a timeshare presentation, they always have the first price, and then if you say no to that, there's another one, there's another one, and you finally get down to a travel club. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. One of my first experiences in San Carlos was with my buddy that I that traveled here with I on my second my when I stayed and we were doing a timeshare thing for a free breakfast and at one point the guy said, Well what price would get you into this? And my buddy just looked at it and he said, Are you gonna give it to us for free? <laughs> we can afford free. Yeah, that's why we're here for breakfast. <laughs> And then they said, okay, well, you can have it for free, but you can never quit. And we're going to charge you $10,000 a year of service. Sir, yeah, service, homeowners, association fees, whatever it might be. I know my dad's dealt with some timeshares where, where he couldn't even give it away. They're like, no, you're still responsible for these fees. It's like a, a gym club. Right. Once you're in. Well, good morning, everybody. I just stuck the link to our document into the chat if you haven't had a chance to look at it. Here's some of the news stories from the last last week. Some are a, a little older than that. I might have left them here from the last document. But there's been a lot of interesting stuff going on this week. And at the top of the hour, I just want to say that on our plan to return to in-person meetings at some point that I continually have been putting off, I, I've recently committed to running the bed and breakfast in Alaska this summer. And so I'm looking at about a nine-week timetable before I head back to Alaska. So I have made the executive decision to not even try and go to in-person meetings until I get back from Alaska. And so we'll continue to do virtual meetings until I go. And I will I will attempt to do virtual meetings while I'm in Alaska, but I will be there from, from uh, the middle of May until the beginning of September. So we'll see what happens. 
it's uh, right now that's the plan. So I'm no longer even considering trying to do an in-person meeting before I come back. It's just I don't want it on my plate of things to worry about. If we all go to Alaska, can we meet with you there? Only outside <laughs> with masks, social distanced. <laughs> Anti-social distancing. That's right. Even though why all of Mexico is now in green and they're talking about um, relaxing mask requirements. We're ready for that, aren't we? Yeah, I'm yeah. just not ready to pick things up and try and try and sort right. them out. Yeah, I was I was talking with Richard and the two of us were going through the logistics of what I wanted to try and do in person and online. And it's like, God, why even do this? You're going to leave in just a few weeks. You're, you're going to get it all set up then you're going to shut it all down pick up and go to alaska just wait till you get back and i can't help but think that's a great way to go <laughs> morning mom well, uh, could some of us meet you at uh, tequilas and just have breakfast with you sometime yeah yeah maybe <laughs> i'm here in the patio out there on the patio that's right it doesn't have to be computer club are you buying paul because i'm in <laughs> I'll buy yours. All right. Still looking for that free breakfast. That's right. That's right. <laughs> except for steak and eggs. Except for steak and eggs. That's all I eat. Chilequiles. Chilequiles. Okay, that's not all I eat. They have pretty tough steaks there. <laughs> well, uh, what else we got going on? Uh, the uh, do you, Oh, did you guys check out the uh, deep fake of Zelensky? You see that in the news? The info wars have begun. The Russians have released a, a deep fake video on Ukrainian. TV that that is him telling the Ukrainians to put down their arms that they're going to surrender to Russia. Nope. Just I just found really? out about this this morning. If you if you look at the video, it's it's a bit head bobby and uh i i had to look at some of his presentations against the uh the, the deep fake video to recognize in the deep fake he's got a much more extended neck he, so he looks a bit like a, a bobblehead mm -hmm. and uh people that are more experts than i would ever hope to be have already deconstructed it using software and visual clues and deemed it a fake before it had a chance to even be taken seriously but it did go out on on the um, on a Ukraine TV website uh, because hackers got inside their website and left it there, uh, and it went out on uh, on social media, and so they've been rejecting it wholeheartedly. It is a good example of the kinds of warfare that are are being imposed now. This media war warfare. I suspect we're going to see better deep deep fake videos coming soon. You guys remember when we talked about deep fakes? There was the Tom Cruise deep fakes that were going around, having him do just miscellaneous goofy stuff and saying miscellaneous goofy stuff. And uh, that that was the fear then was that uh, this technology is going to be able to to make anybody uh, say anything. And we're going to and it makes all of us have to question everything that we see and hear because and it will it, only get better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from the from from, from the perception, no, from the perspective of uh, looking better, sounding better and being, looking more authentic when it's not, because there's nothing better about it being harder to tell whether it's a legitimate video or not. You know, if this kind of cat, cat images talk convincingly, you know, they can do anything now. That's right. They they've 
actually incorporated some of this deep fake technology into the things they're doing for movies like Star Wars, where where they're taking a character like Luke Skywalker and they have Mark Hamill playing that character. Uh, Mark's in his 60s, doesn't look anything like the character he's trying to play, the young version of himself. But they're using this kind of technology and de-aging technology made famous with, with Marvel to bring his character back to the screen. And and frequently before when we, we saw that kind of thing happen in the, the Star... I'm sorry if I bring things back to Star Wars all the time. It's just my true passion. <laughs> but it, in, in movies like Rogue One where they were going to... Um, I, I, yeah, Rogue One, they brought back... Uh, What's his name? Peter Cushing. He did. He died, but he had some crucial, crucial, crucial cutscenes in that movie that drove the plot. And they decided to bring Peter Cushing back. Uh, they they de-aged uh, Princess Leia uh, and uh, used a um, used her daughter, used um, um, Carrie Fisher's daughter as a as a stand-in for her, and then superimposed her face. And, and these were miraculous technologies, cost lots of money, and were criticized for being uh, not perfect and, and still used. And and now we're moving into this area where you can make the president say anything. You you and and they're using it to um to in their media war, uh, their propaganda war in the Ukraine. Fortunately, everyone seems to be we we've all become educated on it, and even more so younger people and people that have grown up with this technology. We'll have to. Uh, make decisions on who we want to replace our faces uh, uh, during these meetings. Right. Or, or, you know, what's going to be interesting, Paul, is when we're all carrying around uh, the the metaphoric rose-colored glasses, we've got the bionic contacts in, and and I don't find you appealing, so I make the adjustments so you are. <laughs> well, I saw a TikTok that was uh, supposedly an, a Chinese gentleman in in, the, in a wooded area, and he had an inv- invisibility cloak, and he just opened it up and held it in front of himself, and the scene was the same as his background. But then somebody figured out that it was a green screen that he was holding up, and they were projecting the, the background sure, yeah. onto it. Absolutely. I have seen some stealth technologies, though, that are quite literally cameras and and it combined cameras and screens that allow you to, to take in the, the video on one side of an object and project it on the other side of the object. So it, 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 that one-to-one ratio makes it disappear in your vision. I'm All sorry, right, Cheryl, Cheryl are you trying you. to get our attention? I'm getting dogged by Cheryl right now. <laughs> I was choosing my new face. <laughs> yes, it's this is the deep fake, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is this is what all that advanced fake. Apple technology has come up with. It might be a fake, but I don't think it's very deep. <laughs> so this has to be on an Apple device. I mean, I've seen other people have filters, and I don't know how to do that at all. Oh, a little I think octopus. this is I like that. yeah. I think this is very much Apple technology with their mobile chips and the amazing things that they're able to do with them. I don't know why this is a priority with Apple, but I guess it's what sells f- phones. And so they they focused a lot on it. What is that coral? I guess <laughs> looking good there, Cheryl. I just realized I wasn't broadcasting any of this. This is Cheryl's oh, moment no. to shine. There you go. You're going out on YouTube now, Cheryl. <laughs> OK, then I'll get rid of it. <laughs> 
So I came across another thing interesting uh, yesterday. There is an article called the Splinter, the Splinternet, the Splinternet. I wanted to pronounce that correctly. The Splinternet in pictures, what the Internet looks like to Russians right now. This is a Business Insider article, and they're just talking about all the restrictions that companies have put on Russia on the Internet right now and what as well as Russian restrictions on service. And so this throughout this article, it throws up visuals of what Russians would be uh, uh, experiencing if they were to go to those websites. And I'm waiting for some photos to load here, but they're basically a bunch of photos of well, what happens when you get to Facebook? What happens? Yeah, like right here is there's a there's a page if you try to get to Facebook without a VPN, an error message for Russian IP address attempting to access Facebook. This this is kind of interesting. I, I kind get when I click on that link. Oh, you would probably get to Facebook, right? Because you're in Mexico. But if you were uh, in Russia, unofficial Android TV. Oh, what are you talking? about oh you're you're looking at our document right now here's another one if you go to instagram i clicked on the link there's another one here that if you went to instagram this is what it would look like you know russia has shut down instagram and facebook in russia i heard an interesting story this morning that was talking about um uh proton mail if you guys are familiar with proton mail the uh the 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 secure email service the uh, what they did is they sent out a message to their users the russian users uh reminding them that payment methods are getting shut down in russia and offering them different suggestions how to renew their account so that they didn't lose access to a highly secure communications platform simply for lack of payment you're breaking up am i breaking up yeah Yeah, you had testing one two important words oh okay good well i record them so you can go back for them later if you need to no am i still breaking up oh no maybe i'm having maybe i'm having internet problems it's the russians it's the russians they're shutting me down they found you Anyway, I you're my son. I I found it very interesting. Oh, here's an, here one last one here. This is this is the BBC website. What it looks like if you as of March fourth, if you try to go to it, all in Russia. I think Russia has shut this down too because they're so afraid of what the BBC might be saying about the about the uh, invasion, about the war in Ukraine. Splinter net in pictures. I like that terminology too. Splinter net because that's essentially what Russia is doing. Is they're they're creating their own internet by shutting off the international sources. Are we still going to be able to hack them? Oh, it'll be interesting to see. We definitely need access to that network. This isn't a question that we've ever concerned ourselves with because the nature of of um, internet has always been one to uh, be uh, redundant. And I, I, the DARPA actually developed internet so that it could survive a nuclear war. Uh, the whole the underlying protocol of the technology we use is self healing. And so the only reason that they would be able to cut us off is because we haven't followed the philosophy of internet in making our internet our interconnect uh, relationship with them. We and and we've done the same thing to ourselves. We've we've created these interconnects, these international interconnects that are controlled by only one or two particular parties. You've got AT and T. You've got these these large. Uh, um, 
providers that make these deals between countries instead of uh, a dozen or a hundred different little deals we've always got like one big deal like one big channel to the uk one big channel to germany one big channel to canada or in canada and mexico's case it seems to be four big channels but the protocol itself was designed so they so that you'd have a way literally a web of different directions for data to flow and in that case it would be very difficult to shut down a, a, a geographical region as you get smaller it gets harder to shut it off so if, for example if if somebody wanted to stop an area like san carlos from talking amongst each other it'd be very difficult because it's just a web of interconnections. Whereas if they wanted to stop Wymus from talking to the rest of Mexico, that would be much easier because there's only a couple of really big pipes connecting all of Wymus to the rest of the internet. So the reason that there's been conflicts like in Syria, they've been able to just shut off their internet. And apparently that's what's going to happen in Russia here. Did you guys see the article about uh, the spam websites that were set up? May I can't remember. Did we talk about this last week? I, I read about this last week that there's some websites that have been set up out there to reach millions of Russians. And so they've got what they've got is like an email list and and you can go and you can send articles, you can send uh, videos about what's happening in the Ukraine and it gets sent out like spam email across. I don't know, maybe maybe that's actually punishing Russia. The, I heard somebody today go, wait a second, if we're doing that, doesn't that make us the bad guys? Because we're just showering them in spam email. Maybe we're giving them incentive to be upset with the situation in the wrong way. Hey, Scott, I have an unrelated question. Please. Um, let's... How do I change my network on my printer? Ooh, it depends on your printer model. It's a Canon 3000 from Mexico. Okay. So does it have a does it have a display panel where no, you can input? Not that I no. No? Okay. So then you're gonna have to interact with it using the Canon software in your computer. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and you'd be setting it up as a Wi Fi print. You might even have to connect the USB cable to do it. I don't have a USB cable. Well then that's good because that means you got it set up on the first network without one. Unless you had me come over and do it. I don't remember setting no. it up. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 I did it. Yeah. I just need to change it from uh, from one to five. Okay. But uh, out of curiosity, does your printer support a cable, an Ethernet mm, cable? I don't know. Because don't the, know. in the end, keeping it close to those connections would make it the most flexible for you if, it select, if you could do it by cable. Because if you could do it by cable, you could just run the cable to the other router whenever you wanted to switch networks. I physically moving a cable would be much easier than having to get into the software, set it up on a new network. Okay. If you follow follow what I mean. I, I would I, I would do. check yeah, I would check and see if it supports an Ethernet cable. And and to be fair, most modern printers do not. Most consumer modern right. printers now do not. So I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't. But if it did, that would be a real nice convenience for you to just be able to pop off the cable and plug it into another network. Yeah, that would be convenient, but I don't think that that's going to be the case. If not, then your option is you either access it through Canon software or you access it through the the web page that's created okay. by that printer, and you okay. you get it connected to another Wi-Fi network. 
Okay. Yeah. And I'm happy to help just, you with it uh, if it becomes an issue. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. This is uh, because I haven't decided if I'm going to renew Juan's service or not. How, how's your 20 megabits of fiber optic there in the park? Very good. Thank you. Yeah. Very, good. very stable. Mm -hmm. Very I wish stable I, so far. I wish I had it. It probably explains why I was breaking up earlier today. It's <laughs> just because mm -hmm. of the well, stability. I mean, you know, I, normally I do work off of Juan's network just because I've always done that. But, you know, like when I'm watching TV or something, I need to uh, I need to figure out how to change my TV over to, to the fiber network. So. Well, your TV, yeah, that would be a matter of getting in there and, and changing to the other Wi-Fi network. Right. And that's an easy one. I mean, that's pretty easy. But the the printer, I've been having issues. Yes. I was thinking about deleting it totally and then reinstalling it. No, no, I, w I, I would be careful to do that because it's already set up. Okay. And so you might actually make it more painful. I would start with, with it. You're connected to it and there should be software. The Canon has a piece of software. I'm, I'm hoping it's the same one for you. For your for your model, it's the let me IJ, and it might even it might even have a different name on the Macintosh because we're talking about the Macintosh. But Inkjet yes. uh, network tool is what I use under Windows. Okay. And I wonder if I've got the one under. Let me see if it's the same thing under my Macintosh. Oh yeah, it's Canon IJ Network Tool. Oh, okay. Canon so, IJ Network Tool. Okay. Yeah, IJ for Inkjet, and it should be able to find your printer out there on the network, and then you should be able to get in and and make changes to it. Okay, Canon IJ, and then what was after that? Network Tool is the one that I use for my Canon. Mine are two hundred series. You said yours is okay. a three. I'm sorry, mine's a two thousand series, and you said yes, yours is a three thousand. Uh -huh. So, so I'm just making assumptions that they have a similar program for for that model. Well, it gives me a place to start. Thank you. You're welcome. Anyone else brought any topics? Because I'm going to run down my list of news. If you guys don't have questions or topics you'd like to share, what I do we got? Sure, Chester, go right ahead. I got an email from Cox this week, and um, you know that's my internet provider. Yeah. And for the same cost, they've doubled the um, the uh, broadband capacity. So I'm now up to 420. Oh, you're which... just you're just bragging. <laughs> 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 you don't have a you don't have a question. You just you're just making fun of the rest of us. <laughs> I don't know why I need G five. You know, right? Is that that is that that can't possibly be symmetric? Is that four hundred up and down? I don't know what you mean. No, that's no, it's only four hundred down, not up. I didn't okay. I didn't check the up. up okay, screen. I don't that's... do much up anyway. <laughs> Well, and that's the same. You know, that's how you're supposed to get internet services as well. That's that's the way it's supposed to work. Is is they upgrade their equipments. They that should be part of their their costs. Their um, 
uh, what's it called? Not accrued, um, amortized costs. And then they offer you more because there is more at the same price because it doesn't cost them any more than they're already budgeting for. That's that's the way good internet providers are supposed to behave. Is that it's, it's, it's different than some other emails I've gotten from, uh, let's see, from Netflix, from Amazon, and from DirecTV. They're all raising their prices this month. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. There's a, and there's also I didn't get it into my lineup, but apparently they're they're playing with this. Uh, um, play uh, pay for outside your household password usage, right? Well, that, so, that's contemplated. I don't think they've adopted it yet, but they plan to. Well, I read an article where at least there was some people that were getting it as uh, like an A/B testing to see how their behavior would be. That that there was a slew some some district of Netflix. I don't I don't even know how they whether they do it by age or they do it by geographic location, but they picked some area and just put it forward to see how the people would respond some demographic to see how they would respond to it yeah testing it out yeah so all of you out there that are sharing passwords on netflix i think you should have a dramatic response and recoil because i'm one of those that doesn't pay for netflix somebody gives me an account and i don't want it to cost them any more money so everybody has to get out (laughs) threaten not not to use netflix so you can save my access to it. No, I'm sorry, Chester. Go ahead. Well, I think the charge for the non-household participant is something like two dollars a month. So it's not it's not really prohibitive, right? Uh, it's just one more. It's just one more squeeze for money. But that's still insignificant compared to Directv. Well, and you said it right. The squeeze for money is the thing that's happening right now. This is this is the new business model with these subscription services is to find out how much you will tolerate. They, they've just recently raised prime prices for people and they, and they gave they gave a whole slew of ways that you could get a discount, which essentially meant that you would for another year, you'd pay what you paid last year. Right. Because if you didn't take advantage of the discount, then you're using this the new pricing and it's become fairly expensive but at the same time they've they're they've got better movie content than they've had before people are using their music they're using alexa speakers they uh, i i all last year i was telling people google's starting to charge for storage but uh your prime account allows you to store all your photos unlimited photos and i well i'm still into it Uh, unlimited photos for free they don't change the quality say that again chester i i still find and you know, even though the price for Prime is up, the delivery—I've I've gotten to the point where I don't even shop locally. I just go on there, and, and that sometimes it comes the same day that I order it. I think it's awesome when that happens, but but what's happening with much more frequency is that you're just being asked to kind of tolerate. It might be a day a day late. It might take slightly longer, or or you, what you're looking for, you can't find with next day delivery. And and this this is kind of a, a bit of. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of social engineering that's going on right now just to get the reactions of people, see what they would tolerate, see find what the prices are that, that people can can endure. And and this this thing where, oh, it can't be here until Wednesday and then it shows up on Tuesday, which I, I find frustrating because I, I, I mean, like in one way they're saying, hey, look what we did. We got it to you sooner than we thought we could. But the other side of that is, hey, you 
you're I, I can't rely on when you're going to deliver it. The, I, I, what, what if I wasn't able to be available when, when you started showing up today instead of tomorrow? I, maybe somebody we got porch pirates in my neighborhood and they're going to grab that package. The, the these kinds of things are really they, they're put out there just like the price fluctuation. They put it out into a, a small demographic to see what that demographic would do with that 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 manipulation. The prime, I think, is the best example right now because they keep adding services to it and they keep inching up the price. And the two-day delivery is not what you're really paying for anymore. It's it's all this other stuff. And, and you get yourself deep enough into it. There's there's a price at which you have to seriously contemplate taking all that, cutting, all, cutting yourself off from all that uh, because you just can't endure that price anymore. I don't know. I think I think it's a slippery slope with a lot of this. We we have to have an idea of of what's considered a pro. I, I, I I'm stumbling around because I don't know what's a, a an appropriate business model for these kinds of things. I I know that Amazon started not knowing what they were going to charge for Prime, and so really it's the behaviors of us all that are determining what we'll pay for it. Uh, Chester, you're muted there. I, I can't hear you. For me, it's just the free free postage. I, I, I'm not that anxious to get it the next day or today. Well, you know, I, I feel guilty not shopping locally, but an example is there's a small item that I need from Walmart, and I go to Walmart, and they don't have it. And I get on the Internet, and, and here Amazon can deliver it this afternoon. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to beat that that business model. And the yeah. prices okay are, are better. So, so it, I, But I still feel guilty. Uh, well, Chester, Chester, some people would dispute that shopping at Walmart is locally. It's just, mm. it's, it's just a well, way of looking at it. Well, and, and you know what? Some, some people would dispute that they didn't have it. You probably just didn't find it because they got no one to help you find it in the I shop. It's probably there on a shelf underneath something. But you've got to go find somebody to help you find it, right? A better example would be Ace Hardware, and I need a piece of hardware. And so I go to Ace Hardware, and they've got this nice guy that comes up and says, well, can I help you? Yeah, but they don't have it. And if they do have it, it's twice the price of Amazon. Right. Right. And many times by by the time I'm buying something, I've already done the research on what I want. Amazon's just the next step. It's right there. It's it's it, I found it. But why would I even look at Walmart? Why would I go into a shop and buy it when I can just press this button and it'll show up in a couple of days? Yeah. Well, I, I'm renewing anyway. <laughs> the uh, the price increases that we're seeing throughout the tech sector are not related to inflation. So just keep that in mind. As they're raising these prices, they were going to do that regardless of what our inflation's doing right now. So it's your expenses are going in two different. I mean, they're, they're expanding here and here. They're just becoming bigger because of two different effects. What else do we got on today's agenda? Is anybody out there want to put forth a topic? You have a, a topic on your list about uh, what to do when you're interviewed by a policeman oh yeah i don't think we talked about that we we haven't that's actually the title of an article that doesn't go into great depth about what to do because it openly admits you're kind of at the mercy of the traffic stop but your rights it will tell you what your rights are and what to expect and you can ask to not be filmed not to have your picture taken they can ignore it depending on what state you may not be ignoring it might be legal and just doing it. But what this article is really talking about is something that we had talked about 
a while back, these databases that have been built off of social networks, and you can send a picture now to one of these databases, and it will send you back full profiles of people. And law enforcement have been casually using these to um, tr- do uh, in- investigations. And so this this can go really sideways very quickly, because what what is the concern? And there isn't a big uptick in this yet. But the concern is that, it, in fact, what, what, what spawned this was a podcast on police, uh, uh, police activities. There, there's a podcast out there, and you, you have to forgive me, I haven't read this since last week, but there's a um, podcast out there dedicated to police officers to help them in, uh, uh, enhance their investigative tools and their procedures, uh, to, to help them understand constitutional rights how, and how they, I, I don't, I've never listened to the podcast, but the podcast that I had a guest on that was talking about Clearview ID, and that's one of these databases. This is the one that's been in the news most recently, and like in the last year, where you can take a picture of someone out on the street and feed that picture into the database and fairly accurately pull up who that is and all the information across their social their social media platforms. And from a law, a law enforcement perspective, uh, you can immediately take that information and stick it into any law enforcement databases to see if this person is one. And you can do all that from a, a picture. And what this podcast was talking about was how you can creatively do that at a traffic stop. So you pull over a car and you get the opportunity to pull out your smartphone. A police officer trying to do extensive investigations might pull out his personal smartphone and snap a quick picture of you and send it into this database that he has bought monthly access to because he's trying to be a good cop and use whatever tools are available to him. And then this database can shoot back information to him that he can check in in the law enforcement databases to see if he should be concerned about this person. And I think you can see immediately where where this can be a problem because we've talked about artificial intelligence, facial recognition concerns. There's a racist bias that we've seen, uh, mostly by the way that these artificial intelligences have learned how to recognize faces. It's much they've proven to be much more successful with white men than any other uh, uh, actually that doesn't play into our white men favor does it like if there's a, a sideways picture taken of me at a at a traffic traffic stop it sounds like I'm gonna get found out real quick because these things were trained by white men and so it's really good at looking at white men pictures and figuring them out uh, it's when you get into other races that it's not so accurate. Um, and and so that accuracy becomes one of the issues when investigating crime. And this is one of those anonymous forms of investigating crime. I don't know if you remember a sci-fi movie. Judy's given us a five, four-minute warning that we're going to be shutting down and moving over to the other meet shortly. So I will bring up this last topic and we'll work our way over, or the last point before working our way over to the other meet code. Uh, last time, the, I, last time uh, I flew into L.A., Yes, right. Uh, I went to customs, and all I did was look at a camera, and I was done with customs. That was it. They didn't even look at your passport. Didn't even look at my passport. Didn't look at anything. Just wow. my picture. Well, I mean, and to be fair, you are an old white man, so yeah, that would be very uh, accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I think a, a white man's image has more contrast than a lot of other complexion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's all algorithm problems right there. That's 
I don't think if if we know that, then we should be writing the algorithm to understand that. Skin, skin. Anyway, that's that's not really really here nor there. I, I don't know if you remember the sci-fi movie. Um, what was it called? Um, Galactica. Ga- yeah, I think that's what it was called. Galaga. No, Galactica. I think it's what it was called. It had um, Ethan Hawke in it, if I remember correctly. And it was, they were living in this future where DNA was known everywhere. Uh, you were part of a DNA database and your chances for success were already determined from the moment you were conceived. And well-off families had the opportunity to modify your DNA so that you would exhibit the traits that would get you a better job when you were born and grow up. It would extract all the disease possibilities and for the right price, you could be conceived to uh, to um, to have better mental capacities, better health capacities and, and uh, these people would have better lives compared to natural birth people. They, uh, they would have more opportunities uh, immediately. They would pay lower insurance rates. They would have more opportunities at work simply because of their DNA. And the part where this relates to what we're talking about is that the police would do investigations with vacuum cleaners. They would go into a crime scene and they would vacuum up all the DNA that was distributed around the crime scene so that they could stick it into their machine and find if anyone was at this crime scene that wasn't supposed to be there because they could keep track of all their all the DNA of all the people that legitimately should be at that scene and then they would have a list of the people that weren't supposed to be there <laughs> that's my quarka 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 oh i've seen those australia yeah southwest yeah little tiny dude how come he only has one eye? He's winking, He's winking. at you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He's not my type. What kind of, it looks like he might be a rodent. <laughs> no, no, it's a native uh, marsupial. A marsupial, hmm. In fact, I saw a photo the other day of a quarka with its its baby sticking his head out of the pouch. Uh, and it's called a quarka? Q-U-A-R-R-K-A. Does it come from Australia? Yeah, Southwest Australia. I mean, it's a Dutch for rat nest. Yeah. Well, I know in Perth, out of Perth, there's an island called Rat Island. Um, yeah, that's it. I thought it was because it had lots of rats, but apparently they have no, gone away. They have quarkas and no, the Dutch quarkas were rats. And um, there, there is a colony of them on the mainland now that's been introduced. But uh, people, they're, they're so friendly. I mean, they have no fear of people. And uh, so people were taking selfies, like if if I was taking this selfie now, mm-hmm. and feeding them and things like that. So they made a law that you can't uh, set yourself up for a selfie or feed them now. You can take their picture, though. You know, you'd think they would have learned their lesson from the fox and the rabbits, but I guess not. And cats. I think cats, cats. are well, the they're, worst thing. They're probably keeping cats off the island, you know, because it's a small island. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I just wanted... Them- mainland is kind of a worry. Sorry, Scott. Go ahead. No, no worries. I, I just want to interject. The name of the movie I was talking about is Gattaca. It's G-A-T-T-A-C-A. A 1997 movie with Ethan Hawke, Uma Thurman, and it's a really interesting uh, look
look uh, perspective. It came out when we had uh, successfully uh, uh, done the genome. I mapped the genome project. So uh, DNA was in the minds of all these sci-fi writers at this time. And that's the, the, the um, comparison to me is, is very valid uh, of these investigators going into a, cli- a crime scene with a, a vacuum cleaner, just sucking everything up and sorting out who belongs and who doesn't. Very similar to the traffic stop where a cop can take a picture of you, you and send it off. Just, just wondering if you might have anything else out there, anything harder than, than what you're saying, or if you've got a different identity out there. It feels very similar to me, but I would recommend that movie. I think it's great. Uh, it, it reads, a genetically inferior man assumes the identity of a superior one in order to pursue his passion, his his work. I, the movie, the real premise of this movie is this guy that doesn't have the DNA to stack up uh, is masquerading as someone that does. I'm going to put that on my recommendations list. Is there any other topics that people have other than my lineup of news stories? Happy to talk about. We went through the deep fakes and the splinter net. We're talking about the uh, how to scan your facial. Boy, it's going to be really weird in the future, isn't it? When like like all we have to do is is allow our law enforcement to use those tools, and the cop is going to come up with his body cam on, right? Because we're going to insist the body cams are on twenty four seven because of the problems, the abuses that we've had from law enforcement. Well, maybe maybe not us. I'm looking out across our faces, and I know we haven't been suffering abuses from from, from the police, but there's a abuses that have been suffered out there. And so so it's become very popular to insist that your law enforcement have body cams on. So you so people later in the court can see what happened and make their make their own decisions, their own opinion of what, of what went down transpired. So that camera is going to be on. And then we, all we've done is we've clicked on an option saying they can use this kind of software. And now that body cam footage is immediately sent into this database, scouring for all your personal information that's out there on social networks, identifying who you are, seeing what you've done. This is um, Snowden's concern, is that these tools that they were using for international um, espionage can be uh, 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 used in just your regular controlling people, law enforcement situations. So we did that. Hey, did you guys, did we talk about this last week? I, I thought this is a great topic for computer club people, that um, shortwave is back for the BBC uh, because they can't get into Russia to um, share the true stories of what's happening with Ukraine. They cranked up their shortwave broadcasts. Uh, apparently, they stopped doing short shortwave broadcasts back in, I think it was 2014. They just decided that it was no longer... Uh, something that needed to be done, which I think is amazing because they cranked up short shortwave broadcasts shortly after World War II, and they had been broadcasting, the BBC had been broadcasting news out on shortwave for the last 80 years, or, or close to 80 years, and uh, finally decided it was no longer a necessity, and this war with, uh, with Ukraine and Russia shutting off all the media from the outside world made it, uh, made it important for them to turn it back on. So now, if you're a if you're a shortwave enthusiast, you you can go back to listening to the BBC on your shortwave. And now, anyone in Russia that is a hobbyist will have access to their broadcasts. I would imagine there's plenty that are thinking about that in Russia. 
because they know they're not getting the truth. What I'm, I, I'm hopeful that we will see some independent networks of shortwave broadcasters in in Russia. But I'm also very, very hopeful that they will start. Like, people like myself, if I, I think about how I might behave in that situation where they're trying to block information, and I know that that me and my neighbor and his neighbor and their neighbor could be putting together an independent network uh, to to share information that wouldn't be controllable, that wouldn't be centralized, because those technologies already exist, and it's just a matter of implementing them. And the longer this goes on, this information blackout for Russia, the more I think uh, people of my nature will start, be, uh, start thinking about ways to get information to pass around, at least inside the country, that is safe and secure and accurate. This could be I, I, I think just like Putin wasn't expecting to all of a sudden have the whole world against him, I and he wasn't expecting to see um, uh, Europe as united as that. I mean, it's like he's done amazing things for European politics. They, they've never been more united. They, they, thank you, Putin. Right. <laughs> like, if, he, if there's a silver lining around here, these things are, are silver linings. Uh, he might also um, uh, bring in this age of decentralized communication out of necessity for what he's putting his country through. And that can't be anything but a benefit fit to all of us that that we are able to we we truly do use this technology in a way that it can't be shut down uh, the shutting down of of a country's internet is only a great idea when it's not your country when it's when it's not your point of view being shut down i i, I personally would rather have technology that's very difficult to shut down uh, and uh, it's it's amazing that the internet spawns out of that kind of thinking that that the last thing that this should do is get shut down I called it self-healing earlier, and that has to do with just the uh, the protocols that are used are intended to broadcast in a variety of different directions and accumulate at an endpoint from a variety of different directions and reassemble in order so that it can be presented. It's the the, the entire concept of packet delivery technology that the internet is founded on is 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 fought up with this idea that a, that a bomb could go off in the middle of your network and information would find its way around that hole to the other side. What else do I have on my news list? If nobody's going to bring up another topic or a thought on what I'm rambling about. But, but, you uh, know, there's, there, there, Ukraine war is unusual in some respects. And in the previous uh, Russian and Putin invasions of a different issue, different situations, they have not had the information that is being generated in Ukraine now by the foreign news services and television and cameras and it's quite unique and uh, that is one of the things that's really hurting Russia. Yeah, yeah, I think that uh, I mean, you're absolutely right. I, I'm still not convinced that they can win a military war but they're definitely winning a social media war right now because the whole world's watching what's going on. Uh, Putin can't deny it and so it's really our relationships with Putin that's making it difficult to, to intervene. I think most Americans feel like there should be some kind of intervention because we don't, well, tongue in cheek, I think we want to be the only bully on the block. We can't handle this country being bullied by Russia. It's, uh, <laughs> we don't like bullies, but we do allow ourselves to be bullies at times. Can no, I it's a, digress for a second? Please, please get me off of this because I'll get too political. <laughs> 
Okay. Well, you were talking about uh, uh, shortwave. Uh, if you look at uh, what they're producing today, uh, not many broadcast radios will do shortwave anymore. Back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, almost everything came out had shortwave band, shortwave and longwave band. Uh, but the radios nowadays don't. Right. So, you know, unless you get a special radio, you're just SOL. Hobbyists, absolutely. And that's kind of like I would be hopeful that that's what would spur in in Russia as they get this information blackout, the censored. Russia's made that that law that if you are presenting fake news, fake news is any news that um, casts the Ukraine situation as anything uh, but but in in a positive light for Russia, they're they're saving ukraine if you cast it in the light of war then you may be facing 15 years in jail and that's why so many of russian uh, media outlets have shut down and resigned is because they don't want to face that those penalties for telling the truth you have the situation where if you tell a lie enough times it becomes the truth oh yeah absolutely chester i mean that's what that's what they're hoping for right is is you can't tell your truth yeah the the state is able to tell their truth, but you're not able to tell your truth without facing jail time. And and I think this would spawn a... um uh, a uh, movement of of hobbyists that are into shortwave because they've run out of they've run out of safe ways to share real information with each other and so they would regress back to older technology that can't be controlled that is one of the one of the amazing things about shortwave is that there is no way to centrally control it or shut it off if if you've got the device then you can intercept those broadcasts and nobody can stop you well i wonder how many radio hams there are in Russia that are sharing information. Yeah, and I wonder how quickly that number is going to grow. And then the other thing that I think about is we went through a period of time uh, back in the late 90s where we were doing uh, radio networks. We were using ham radios to share uh, data connections. And I think that would be the next the next thing that you would see. You'd see a spurn of, of, of enthusi- ham enthusiasts in their country and then they would start running things like Usenet, where they were able to pass information, emails, and discussion groups through ham signals. So I, I th- it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I, I don't like projecting that this is going to go on for long enough that all this can be sorted out. But but BBC has turned on shortwave broadcasts, and that's the first step in all this. The uh, rush is cutting themselves off and isolating themselves from the rest of the Internet, the global Internet. And BBC has turned on shortwave to get past that blockage. So who knows what's going to happen next? We've gone through quite a few topics here. There are two topics here that I also thought you guys would find interesting. One is there's an article here about Amazon and how they're behaving like cable companies if you want to cancel your Prime. To, to cancel, you go through an on online interview, and it does precisely what you've become accustomed to from a CoxNet kind of standpoint or a, a cable company in Alaska. We've got GCI. You, you call up, and you try and cancel, and they ask 
ask you why, and uh, then they they offer you a better deal. And if you don't take it, they offer you an even better deal. And they make it just very uncomfortable for you to try and shut down to cancel your. And apparently, Amazon has been doing this online. If you if you go to cancel your Prime, you'll get into an interview that will ask you particular questions about Prime, and it will kind of social engineer you into a certain way of thinking that has dropped cancellations by 14%. So it's an interesting article to read. Uh, It's a very good example of how reading how people are behaving and engineering to that behavior is very effective. And then the other article I've got on here, and maybe maybe you guys aren't interested. I find this interesting. Uh, If you have a Fire TV stick, I, I have never been a proponent of the original stick, what they call the light version now or the international version. I, I, I find the performance on it is subpar and the experience isn't ideal. If you want to know what I think the ideal equipment is from Amazon, it's the 4K stick. It's been the same kind of equipment for the last two years. And what I mean by uh, performative um, superior experience is the, uh, when you hit a button, things move on your screen. They, they, when you, there's no question that you're doing something with the remote. And the previous version... <coughs> Pardon me. The previous version, the one that's referred to as light or international, I it was a kind of hurry up and wait experience where you would hit the button at times and you would just wait to see it do something on the screen, like just moving around the screen. I'm moving down, down, down. Now it's moving down, down, down. Whereas the 4K, very performative. You hit the down button, you see it, see it go down on the screen. So if you're curious what I think, if you're looking at, at Fire Stick technology, I would ignore the light international version. I go right for the 4K or whatever their latest derivative of the 4K is. Consequently, that device, that 4K, you can find on sale most times of the year for about $29, $30. It's like $29.95. So it's it's a great price for it as well. So all that being said, that's all my disclaimers for this article that talks about being able to put a copy of Lineage on your old Fire Stick if it's a third generation, the light that I was describing or the or or the international version. This might be an interesting way to use this stick. I know that just from my recommendation, I know of a few people, including my folks and a couple of customers, that have just stopped messing around with the old Fire Sticks and have gotten into the 4K Sticks because they are so much more performative. It's a much more desirable experience. But they've got these older sticks lying around, and this might be a fun thing to try try this software out for. I don't have one of these older sticks, but I might be trying it out on one of mom's older sticks when I get up on uh, to Alaska. When I said Lineage, that is an Android derivative uh, intended for replacing a phone operating system. And now they have a version to replace the Fire Stick software with the Android TV software, giving you access to the Google Play store on this Fire, uh, this Amazon Fire Stick hardware. So this, this I think, might be a really interesting way to repurpose some of this older equipment. So if that sounds like I'm, I 
I'm the kind of person that's going to be playing around with this. Uh, there are folks out there in our group that are the kind of people that might play around with this. Uh, take a look at this article. You might find that this is a great way to use your old... If, if you can get Android TV, Android TV 11, I guess, is the version. So the headline is here, Lineage 18.1 brings Android TV 11 to third-generation Amazon Fire TV sticks. Uh, if you've listened to my advice, you may have one of these sticks sitting in a drawer because you upgraded. And this might be a great way to get Android TV into your into your house without having to buy a new device. We'll see. We'll see. I will probably in a couple of months, I'll be playing with one. Uh, I think we've reached the end of, oh, I guess I got one more article on this list that I'll mention just so I can take it off the list. A few weeks back, top Wikipedia editor in Belarus was arrested. Uh, I do not have any follow-up. It's just still on our list, if anybody knows any better. This is significant to all of us that live on the internet, because Wikipedia has become our uh, encyclopedia of choice. And if you've forgotten or aren't aware, Wikipedia Wikipedia is edited by volunteers, and most sections in Wikipedia are accurate because the volunteer has a vested interest in making it as accurate as possible. That's their passion. That's the thing that they're the expert in. So they've taken a page of the encyclopedia and, and made it their responsibility to make that as informative and accurate as possible. So this one person was uh, responsible for large sections of Russian information and Belarusian information on Wikipedia, and now they're behind bars. So it is the equivalent of uh, Wikipedia going dark for those areas. No one else was doing this work except for this one person. And now he's sitting in jail under their 15-year uh, statutory um a misinformation law that they have created. You, so you it, mentioned you mentioned earlier in the program that uh, that was happening in in uh, both Russia and Ukraine that they are monitoring and prohibiting uh, dis bad information that's not in their favor. And I believe that same thing happened in World War II with the United States. Yes, yes, Chester. I think that's a good point. This is just the modern version of propaganda wars. And that brings me to the list of my news stories for today. And since we're cycling down, maybe this is a good time to talk about any recommendations people have. If you've I've watched something, read something. Oh, sure, Fred, go ahead. Okay, I just got a thing on my phone. Jan Posky, or the press secretary. Oh, yes, yes. Has COVID. Oh, great. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and she's the one that goes with uh, Biden all the time. So, so yeah, and he's going overseas yeah, in two days. Wow, she's going to have to go virtually. What happened to her? She's got COVID she's now. Oh, she tested positive. We we haven't really talked much about COVID today. I I have been noticing though that that there's uptick in infections throughout Europe, and there's a new variant that they're paying attention to. And I, I read an article. I'm sorry, I didn't catch any well, of that. I said I don't think we're getting enough attention to that yet. Mom, I'm sorry, I still didn't understand what you said. Oh, sorry. I'm concerned that they're not giving enough attention to that new variant right now. I think they're hoping it's uh, less than uh, our, uh, uh, never mind, I don't know what I'm talking about right now. 
Well, I think you do because I I think that's less than That's right. I think that we're all living on on dreams and prayers right now. They're showing us what we want to see because we're so sick of seeing COVID stuff that uh, there isn't enough information to determine whether it's going to be as bad as Omicron. And until there is, I don't think they're going to be telling us much about it. But the uptick, the uptick is what's concerning. Has anyone? The 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 other the other well the other thing that I read about COVID this last. Last week, um, um, oh my gosh, it just it just flew my mind. They, it'll come back. <laughs> it'll come back. Please, someone else continue. <laughs> there was a point. Uh, Has anyone uh, gone for a four or a second booster? Have you had it? Got any fun? Thank uh, you, Terry, Mom. I need one before we fly back. Great. You are you are um, you just you you're like reading my mind because this was the other other article that I read was talking about how the uh, booster is proving to be effective at at preventing infection for up to three to four months no more that after after three or four months its effectiveness is dropping dramatically and so what i got from this is now they're doing studies on whether they should be recommending quarterly or or um three three times a year boosters as opposed to six month or 12 month boosters has anyone done a second booster question go ahead cheryl i i have a a, i have a couple of points but uh the one is what people are calling booster um i have heard that some people are getting a lesser dose or a, a not the same as the first shot in their booster and as far as i know the the um, third and fourth shots that i've had are the same as the first two the same amount of pfizer the same um what do you call it uh not weight but um percentage of whatever their same formula the same formula as the original vaccine so all four of the shots that i've had um are the same there's not one that is a lesser dosage or a lesser strength as a booster so that's something i don't know (laughs) (laughs) well i don't hear them calling for people to take boosters yet but then they'll say if you have if you're old and have a you know a problem um you should but nowhere around here in arizona anyway are they offering that yet well i got my booster in mexico and it was very specifically a different boost a different shot than what the first two were i my first two were pfizer and i think my third one was moderna but no i'm sorry it was astrazeneca i think but at this point in in all the research that i've done i was totally okay with that i i've i've seen health Mm -hmm. officials proclaiming that it would probably give better immunity to use a different vaccine as a booster and and i've heard nothing negative about and and i guess it's all relative i mean the real negative is you get really sick (laughs) And, and so getting boosted in general seems to be that the final but i didn't have any any concerns about the idea of of getting a different and and i think i think if they come out and say you know the best way to protect ourselves is taking a booster every four months then i'm probably going to be in that line too as long as it's it's not hard to do i will oh yes it sounds like a terrible way to die i don't want to well i think now what we were like before we were concerned about spreading it now it's too late for that and then we were concerned about about people that were not vaccinated dying and uh and now we have vaccination, so we're not worried about that. And then we're worried about immunocompromised people and and older people for health reasons couldn't get vaccinated. We're worried about them not getting. Well, now I think the thing we're worried about is 
is if if we can't stop it in its tracks, at least occasionally, it's going to remutate. And they're not sure what that new mutation will be. And who knows, maybe the new mutation will be good. Won't the, the, the vaccines we have won't have any effect on it. It doesn't seem to have uh, as strong effect on the Omicron as it um, did the Delta. You mean that people are still getting sick from Omicron, even though they've gotten vaccinated? Yeah, there's breakthroughs, sure. Um, it's just the Omicron, I guess, isn't as uh, dangerous, at least to young people. <laughs> right. I, I would dispute that it's not as dangerous because we still don't know what long COVID is going to look like. And for an older person, maybe those aren't a concern, but for the younger people, it could be a big concern. So a, a young person gets it and maybe they're not too sick, but down the road, what is it going to show up as? What is the, the long COVID and how is it going to affect their lives? Good point. Yeah, it really is. So we we just don't know. This is all new territory for, for us, for this generation. I, it's like going back and looking at what happened with the Spanish flu. I, we keep wanting to taper out of this, and then things happen that, that make you wonder where we're going next with it. Well, what we're not doing next is we're not doing in-person meetings, at least not till I get back from Alaska. And I have already done a recommendation for a movie, that Gattaca. I, I would recommend it. It's great sci-fi it's a, it's uh it's brainy sci-fi i like it Does I, anyone... I watched a movie the other night um sam elliott uh we've been watching 1883 and and then i happened to see another one with sam elliott in it i believe it was called the hero yeah. and it was about an aging um actor uh, who had played one major thing in his life <laughs> and he was the hero in a western movie um i would say that it was probably the biggest waste of time that i've ever done <laughs> and I love yeah. Sam Elliott. Girl, don't so, say anything to my husband about that. So this is an <laughs> anti-recommendation. This is stay away from this movie. <laughs> it is a negative, yes. Um, it is a two thumbs down. I thought afterwards, I thought, what the heck did I just watch? You know, like it, it just was... Yeah, it wasn't his best. <laughs> and I don't like seeing him quite so old, but, you know, as it is. <laughs> but, yeah, it was it was very shallow and not my best. <laughs> and okay. he had really good actors in it. So he did get some recognition for that, um, but uh, no awards, I don't think. No. <laughs> yeah, and it was about him receiving an award, but, yeah, yeah. yeah for the character, yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's my non-recommendation. But I did watch another one the same night that I think was good, but I can't remember what it was. So I'll have to go back and look up my Amazon and see what I was watching. Yeah, save it save it for next week. I actually, I'm sorry to say, I've got to cut this short. I've got work immediately after this and I have to run off. Is there any, yeah. any last bits here that we need to share? Anything that can't keep till next week? This is the moment. Otherwise, I do need to bring this meeting to a close. Thank you for being here with us on Tuesday, every Tuesday at 10, at least for the foreseeable future. You're always happy to have you guys join me. That's always a great conversation. You're always welcome. Please bring your topics. Please uh, feel free to edit our document. I send out a document that has some of the thoughts I'm having for our next meeting. And it's you, you continue to have access to that document even after our meeting. So if you're looking for any
any of the stuff we talked about, you can find it in the document linked in your email. Or again, I put it all on the website. So if you go to sccclub.org, you can find what we talked about last week right there. But I've got to go. So you guys have an awesome week. Scott Stimson again saying tech on until next Tuesday. Tech on. Adios. Adios. Bye, guys. Adios. See you, Jim. Bye. And that was it. As I just mentioned, I got to get out of here. I can't stick around or screw around any longer. So I'm off to work. Yay, there's work. If you like what we're doing, check out sccclub.org. If you are looking for computer help, check out internationalcs.net. You can contact me, Scott, at either domain, and I can reach through the internet and give you a hand. No matter where you are, I'm sure I can help you with some solutions. Until next Tuesday, tech on.